Haungaroa is doing her best to ignore her sister Kuiwai. Sitting on a rock, staring Kuiwai straight in the eye, Haungaroa casually takes a bite out of a dry piece of tuna and chews it slowly just to spite her bossy sister. Kuiwai takes her leave and departs with the main group. Only Haungaroa and her two mōkai remain to attend to their mistress. The mōkai are anxious at being left behind and have made the mistake of speaking out of turn. The cackling of the two mōkai catches Haungaroa's attention, who turns to eyeball them. In her haste to chastise her mōkai, she chokes on a piece of tuna. She convulses and contorts, her body seizing in a fit, before the piece of food in her throat finally dislodges. Recovering for a second, she inhales, enjoying the simple pleasure of being able to breathe again. She lifts her gaze and glares directly at her mōkai. The ground begins to tremble. Like her siblings, Haungaroa has abilities. She reaches into her tātua for her sacred ara that holds the power of the atua, Tohiotērangi, an atua with the power to manipulate rocks and trees. The rocks surrounding their resting place crack and split into smaller pieces. They continue to shake as the earth continues to tremor with aftershock. The rock Haungaroa is sitting on grows bigger, making it appear as if Haungaroa is looming over the two women. Haungaroa looks upon her unfortunate mōkai, holding them responsible for her minor fafai with the tuna. The mōkai have seen this look before and know what comes next. Utu. Fearing death, or worse, the pair back away slowly, stumbling over their feet and the small rocks littering the ground. As soon as they feel safe, they both take off, not daring to look back. They hope to find refuge with Kuiwai and the others. Haungaroa levitates off the rock, gains her feet and calmly walks after the two hapless mōkai. Haungaroa is famous for being fleet of foot and could easily overrun her mōkai, but decides to taunt them by staying just out of reach. She relishes in seeing the two flee in terror and laughs maniacally, reveling in the moment. To quench her annoyance at her mōkai and to teach them a lesson they will not soon forget, she lifts the sacred ara of Tohiotērangi. It glows an eerie red as she gathers her power and prepares to utter her curse. Her eyes roll back. The winds catch her and lift her off the ground. She hovers in place as the winds eddy and swirl, gathering speed. The winds spin faster and faster, whistling and carrying in human screams of dread and despair. The noise of wind and screams climb into a cacophony and at the very crescendo, 
Haungaro's eyes snap open wide, engorged with blood. Smiling eerily, she utters her curse. Hopua, Hopua, Hichi Fokaweawe. The two Mokai scream in pure agony as their torsos contort and stretch, ticking unnaturally until a tree trunk is formed. The hair on their heads has been yanked up and away, pulling and stretching their faces. From their eyes shoot branches, their noses elongate, thickly covered in leaves. Their screams are silenced when their mouths, stretched beyond capacity, bleed profusely as thick branches force their way past their lips. Painfully and fully transformed, Haungaroa approaches the two newly formed tikoka trees. Haungaroa expectorates and spits and snorts mucus and phlegm on her two former mōkai. Haungaroa can see Kuiwai and the others in the distance. She summons her belongings and prepares to leave. As she departs, she drops the sacred ara stone and the power of Tohiotherangi. There it lies, a stone to the common eye, for centuries until it is found by one of Haungaroa's descendants, a child named Hotu. Hotu is a headstrong, seven-year-old entitled little princess. She has found a curious stone and is trying to get her papa's attention. Papa is not really paying attention. He's trying to listen to Koropana, the Komatua, telling them the story of how Kaingaroa got its name. Without looking, Papa says, Oh, yeah, yeah, Atawa, darling. It's special, Papa. Yeah, of course it is. It, it, just like you. Now, um, Haereatu. The kids know when their pakeke are trying to get rid of them. Haereatu is generally a clue. Hotu pulls at Papa's jacket. Papa, Papa. Ui, Kati. Hotu, go over there by your cousin Petra. See, he's over there playing by those cool-looking rocks. Now, hide there. In a huff, Hotu puts the stone in her pocket and storms off. Hotu doesn't notice a red glow coming from her pocket. The sisters of Ngātōroirangi, Kuiwai and Hau Ngāroa, were leading an expedition to see their brother and had decided to stop here to eat. Uh, Haungaroa was eating long after Kuiwai and the others had finished. Her two mōkai uttered the words, Te kaingaroa a haungaroa. Although te kaingaroa a haungaroa or haungaroa's long Continued eating doesn't sound bad enough to warrant being cursed for all eternity. Back then, it was the equivalent of being called a, a big fat pig. Now, Taihua sensitive people, uh, I know you're not allowed to say words like that nowadays, uh, so I won't be using the word 
big anymore. Ah. Anyway, her Mokai took off and she pursued them, eventually turning them into tea coca trees. There have been many accounts over the years of travelers seeing these. Uh, tea coca trees known as the tea fakawewe You couldn't get near them. No matter how far you travel, they will always appear to stay at the same distance away from you. Hmm. Now, all this talk of running away and kai is making me hungry. So, on that note, let's have some kai to eat before going into the forest, ne? Okay. Haramai, everyone. Me karakia tato. Kai noi tato. The Pakeke pass out the kai. Everyone has neat little kai packages that are individually named and tailor-made to everyone's dietary requirements, like keto, vegetarian, and of course, normal. One of the two kids, Petera, claps his hands in glee as his name is called out. The handing out of the kai parcels feels more like getting Christmas presents. Ho too is still a little upset at being ignored by her father and she has set her kai on one of the rocks. Ho too places her kai carefully, just like her mama taught her. Sandwich here, apple two inches to the left, juice two inches to the right, little packet of chips two inches above the sandwich. Petera, who's a big boy and approximately the same age, comments on Ho too's mahi. Petera has half a sandwich hanging out of his mouth. Don't you know it's rude to talk with your mouth full? Petra shrugs, then swallows his sandwich with a big gulp and points to Hotu's sandwich. You gonna eat that? Hotu looks at Petra, picks her sandwich up and takes a huge bite out of it. She chews, swallows, then suddenly she freezes and grabs her throat. She begins to gag like she can't breathe. The pakeke, like a lot of pakeke, are preoccupied and don't see the little incident. Hey, hey, Hotu! Hey, are you alright? Petra gives Hotu's back a huge whack. <coughs> Hotu gives Petra the evils. I think the words you're looking for are thank you, Petra. Thank you, Petra. Petra freezes and looks at Hotu wide eyed. The earth begins to shake. Petra sees the red glow coming from Hotu's pocket and points to it. Hotu reaches into her pocket and pulls out the stone, but the glow is gone. The pakeke in the group look a little concerned at the minor earth shake. Koropana reassures them. That was a joke. Everyone packs up and moves into the forest. Koropana is talking about some of the wahitapu. As they are travelling through the forest, the fir trees become fewer and fewer until eventually there are more tea coca trees than conifer trees. No one except for Hotu has noticed, although she also senses that someone or something is watching them. She notices something else unusual about the trees. Hey, Petra, Cicero! What? I don't see anything. That tree. Yeah, what about it? Doesn't it look familiar? Petra shrugs. I think we passed it already. See? 
looks like a person. Arms, legs, face. And those leaves look like a big afro. Petra turns his head from side to side, trying to see what Ho Tu sees. Oh, yeah, the big afro. I think they're following us. Do you think these are trees? Like the story. But I thought they died, got chopped up. Or perhaps it's just in your imagination. Yeah, maybe. See, look at that tree. Petra goes over to the tree. See, it looks like a face, but it's just the bark of the tree. See, it's nothing. The eyes on the tree open. <laughs> All the pakeke turn to look at Petra on the ground. Are you all right, boy? The tree, look, look at the tree. The tree is back to normal. Yup, yup, it's a tree. You sure you're okay? Yes, uncle. We, we, yeah, we were just playing a game. Well, shush. Can you play quietly, please? Petra and Hotu turn around to see that the pathway the group has just walked has disappeared and is now completely covered in tea coca trees. I don't like this. In the story, how many cursed trees are there? Just two. Two? The tree opens its eyes again, followed by another tree, and then every tree behind them opens their eyes in quick succession until the entire forest of tea coca is looking at them. Um, Hotu! The trees are alive. Is, is that a problem? Sh- sh- should we tell one of the pakeke? No, they don't listen. We're just kids. I think as long as we don't go near them, we'll be fine. The ground shakes again. Papa and the other pakeke turn around. Look, you two. Are you talking to us or, or them? What the hell? Koro, Koro, a, a bit of guidance, please. Oh, hey, hey, we'll be fine. Hey. They're trees, they can't move. <laughs> the ground trembles as the trees pull their roots from the ground. Their roots are like legs, and the trees begin to move towards the group. Okay, uh, screw that plan. Now run! Someone help me too, gee whiz. Ready, oh. The group take off down the pathway. Every tree they pass awakens. The trees rip their roots from the ground and join the chase. Quick kids, this way. There's a gap between the pakeke and the kids. Two trees jump in between the kids and the pakeke. We're cut off! Come on, Petra, this way! Papa and the other pakeke see that the trees are not pursuing them, but are instead chasing after the children. The pakeke head towards the kids, but roots spring up from the ground, forming an impassable wall. The roots grab all the pakeke so they can't follow the children. The kids haven't had time to think on what's happening. The trees are not chasing them as such, but corralling the children down a dark pathway until they arrive at two giant tea coca trees that are as wide as a house and three stories tall. Oh, the two tea coca trees. But, but then, who are those guys? Peter is pointing to the hundreds of tea coca trees who have now gathered around the two of them. They're like us. What? Kids. Lots of kids. Kids? Oh, of course. Fano. Hey, but what are they doing? I thought they were going to, you know, but they're just standing there. I think they're waiting. Petra sees that Hotu's pocket is glowing a bright red. Hey, Hotu, look. She pulls the stone out of her pocket. All of the trees shuffle backwards. They're scared of this. 
When Hotu moves toward the trees, the stone glows red and the trees back away. Come on, Petera. Let's head back to Papa and the others. Using the stone, Petera and Hotu make it back and can see that the trees are holding Papa, Koro and the other Pakeke hostage with the roots acting like ropes. Hey, go and get help. Go to the cars and use the phones to get help. 111, Hotu, just like we practice. Yeah? Hide it, inaine. No, I'm gonna free you all. What? How? The special stone. They're scared of it. I'll make them release you. Hotu holds the stone up. It glows as she talks. Trees, let go. Set them free. Set them all free. Set them free now. Hotu was expecting all the roots of the trees to loosen or something. But instead, a golden light rises out of every single tea coca in the forest. Hundreds and hundreds of lights rise up steadily and slowly towards the sky. When the lights are well overhead, they shoot off and scatter across the heavens to form a huge golden picture. It is a clear outline of two women and what appears to be many, many children. The children are playing, jumping, running and tumbling across the sky. The two women are moving amidst the children, hugging and holding each one. After each hug, the children shrink into a nimbus of golden light that shoots off into the heavens. Soon, there are only a few children left. Eventually, there is only one. One small child who appears to be a little more than a baby. The baby holds its arms up, clearly wanting to be carried. One of the women scoops the baby up, but instead of shooting away like the others, the two women holding their baby walk slowly and sedately into the distance. Their outlines grow smaller and smaller until there is one final twinkle and they're gone. The roots holding the pakeke fall away. Hotu, Petara and all the pakeke are crying and hugging each other in relief after being terrorized by trees and in awe at the beautiful sight of the golden children and their mothers. Hotu! Papa sweeps up his little princess. Hotu finally has her father's attention. She pulls back from her father's arms and looks at him sternly as she holds out her rock. Told you it was special? Papa sighs and hugs his little princess tightly. Yes, yes you are, my little Hotu too. Yes you are. Pakikehua, brought to you by Te Wānanga o Aotearoa with funding from Te Māngai Pāho. <laughs>